So we experience the positive and the negative of our creative expression, our loving expression, our forgiving expression, our accepting expression. All the aspects of God that dwell within us are manifested in our action of creative loving. But in our creative loving and not truly understanding the power of creation and not getting instruction in this level about how to be creative in a powerful, loving, spiritual way, we have created many different forms that really are out of balance. Again, this is a world of polarity. This creation is a world of polarity, positive and negative. And the Lord of this creation asked one thing, that we bring everything that we do into balance. We bring it into balance before we leave this creation. That for every action, there's a reaction, and you're responsible for all of that. And it's your responsibility to bring it all back into balance before you leave. And it's that process of creating imbalance. For every action, there's a reaction that we begin the process of learning what it is to be a co-creator with God, to be a creative spirit. And we've created a lot of things in our lives, and a lot of them work, and a lot of them don't. I don't know for you, but I've looked at my life over all these years that I've lived, and I can see very clearly in areas where I have created some wonderful expressions of loving and acceptance and forgiveness with myself and with others and where things are truly in balance and in harmony. And I can see where I created a lot of things that are in a state of unbalance because I went into reaction rather than action. I went into judgment. I went into fear. I went into pulling away of shutting down and not being vulnerable. And that's where my unlearned lessons are, is in those areas where I am still in a state of imbalance, out of balance. So those are the areas that I've got to go into to bring into balance, but also to learn, to learn from and to learn in the doing. And the one thing that I have learned is that if I avoid those areas of my life, my life is unfulfilled. I feel less fulfilled. I feel drawn into those areas, and yet I resist it. I go into resistance. And so what now I do is I run towards them. I accept them. I look at them, and I greet them because I know that that is where my growth is. That's where my unlearned lessons lie and where my opportunity for me to come into the greater spiritual being of myself, the fuller essence of myself lies. And so where I used to be afraid of going into those areas where I would resist, where I would run away, I now turn toward and I go into because I know here's my opportunity to grow. Here's my opportunity to learn. Here's my opportunity to fulfill the spiritual being that I am. And in doing that, I began to bring things more into balance in my creation, in myself, in my spirit. And 
the soul of myself gets freer of this physical creation by bringing all into balance, all into harmony. So, one of the keys I have found for myself is that for every action, there's a reaction. And in that, there's a word that I've always run away from. And I've talked about this before when it had to do with initiation. And that's the word of responsibility. I would rather others be responsible for my problems, my situations, than me be responsible for it. That's how I used to live my life as a child and in my teens. But I can actually remember the day that it changed. I was 19 years old, and I had to confront the word responsibility for the first time. At 19, I realized that I was no longer going to be a teenager, that I was now going to be looked at in the world as an adult, and I was going to be responsible for myself. And in that moment in time, I remember feeling very depressed and very upset that I was no longer going to be a teenager, no longer going to be a child who somebody in the world had to take care of. I was now going to be 20 and an adult, and I had to take care of myself. And the whole essence of that experience was around responsibility, personal responsibility, being responsible for my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, my reactions, for my physical body, for making money to clothe it, to feed it, to house it, to take care of it, for my emotional body, for my feelings and how I lived those feelings and how I expressed those feelings and shared those feelings, for my thoughts and how I lived in those thoughts and how I expressed those thoughts and what I did with those thoughts, and responsible for all that came out of that within myself and in my environment of my life and with my relationships with others. Responsible for every action and reaction. And I remember in that week that I was going through this process, just before my 20th birthday, I was depressed and I was mad. I was mad. And it was very interesting because this all came from within myself. My parents never told me this. Nobody said, well, you're now going to be an adult. You have to take care of yourself. We're not going to do it for you. This all came up inside of myself. This was my soul stepping forward into a, the next phase of life. This was my soul stepping forward in realization that it was now time for me to take full responsibility for who I am and to take charge of my life and to begin to live my life more fully. During the next few years, I began to confront the word responsibility, the energy of responsibility, and it was all about resistance. I resisted it. I didn't want it because I felt it was a burden. I felt it was an energy being pushed on me rather than as an opportunity. And in truth, it wasn't until recently that I've learned a whole new lesson about responsibility and the true joy that the consciousness, the action of responsibility really holds.
And it wasn't until I really truly accepted the fact that I am here to be of service to others and to assist people on their inner journey if they ask it and seek it, that I found what responsibility really is. And responsibility is loving. It is an action of loving. It is the greatest action of loving. Loving of self and loving of others. And living in the movement of that loving in the greatest of ways. And I found something very precious, my laughter. There's a part of me that for years didn't really laugh. I took life serious. I don't know if any of you noticed that. <laughs> but I did. I took life pretty serious. I thought I had uh, a sense of humor. I thought I laughed a lot. But in truth, I didn't. I really took life serious because that was that part of me holding back this essence of what I thought was a burden around responsibility. But as I stepped more and more into this essence of responsibility and discovered what it really is, the ability to respond to the movement of loving, now I find that as I respond to loving, as I respond to that movement, as I live in that action, there's joy, there's happiness, there's laughter, there's humor. And I have a wonderful environment inside that is ever-present in the joy. Where before, I was closed down to a very large part of myself, not allowing myself to live in the full flow of the loving that I thought I was living in. And I've also discovered something else. And that is that Yes, you can clear a lot of karma in meditation. But there's other qualities of that unlearned lesson that is also being called forward for you to learn, to experience, to grow in and from. And so there are certain karmas, if you will, unlearned lessons that are not going to clear in your meditation. They're going to hang around. They're going to stay present because... Those are lessons unlearned that are for you to become conscious aware, to be aware of consciously, and to step into and fulfill fully so that you become a true creative soul, a soul creating in loving, in joy, in enthusiasm, in peace, in abundance, in all the aspects and qualities that is of God in you, looking to manifest, looking to express, looking to share through these actions of creative loving. So as I walked from this store, I looked back on my life and I began to see a lot of who I am and where I've been and how I've gotten where I am. And I've looked to see how I often turn to others, my first spiritual teacher, Cash Bateman, and asking him to take care of these things for me, to answer them, give me solution. And I was willing to give my power away to anybody who would gladly handle my karmas for me.
my unlearned lessons and, and learn them for me. Tell them and get them learned in me so I didn't have to go and do all this myself. But I've really learned over the years, giving your power away does not really lead you anywhere other than to a place of emptiness and longing and looking outside yourself ever for the answer, for the solution. And so I found that through the action of meditation, yes, I can clear a lot of karma as I sit in loving with God. But it's not me clearing the karma, it's God doing the clearing. It's God's loving coming in and neutralizing that energy that is out of balance, bringing it into neutrality, bringing it back to its original state of being, which is loving. And then there is nothing else for it to do but to express itself as a loving essence. But those things that are not going to be brought back into that sense, that state of loving essence through meditation, is still going to stay there in a state of out of balance. And then it is for myself to bring into a place of balance by action. There's by action that came into a place of out of balance through my creation that really wasn't in the fullest expression of loving. And it's for me through action to bring it back into balance. For every action is a reaction. We then must move once again into action to neutralize whatever that reactive energy is to bring it back into the quiet, to bring it back into the stillness. Does that make sense? And it's a very simple process of staying present in the moment, staying aware of what's going on in your life in the very moment that you're living it, not living in the past, not living in the future, but being present here and now, and stepping forward in loving in all that you do and being responsible for how you express that loving, how you're living the loving. There's an acronym that we use in ILM, LAF, L-A-F. Loving, acceptance, and forgiveness. If you use these three tools in your daily life and live your life in loving, loving of yourself and others, acceptance, Accept yourself just as you are right now and accept others just as they are right now and let it be just as it is. Acceptance in the fullest form. Accept situations just as they are. And forgiveness. And forgive those things you can't accept and that you can't love. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Forgive God. <coughs> and by all means, forgive God. How many times have you ever found yourself looking up to God going, God, why me? Why did you do this to me? Maybe you never have, and I hope you never have been in that kind of a situation where you've done that. But I have. I've been there. And I can remember the first time I did that when I was five years old. And my mother was in the hospital with cancer. Well, at five years old, I had no idea what cancer was. But there was a part of me that was very afraid that she was going to die because nobody said the word, nobody said anything was going to happen, but I knew that something was really wrong by how everybody was 
reacting to my aunt flew in from California and all she was doing was crying. So I knew something wasn't right. And I was really mad at God for doing this to my mother. And I was, I was yelling inside, God, why are you doing this to my mother? Make her better. Don't do this to her. And I remember years later when Cash Bateman, my spiritual teacher at the time, uh, and I were talking, he looked at me and he said, so, who haven't you forgiven? And because I had been talking to him about my process of forgiveness and, and my understanding of it. And I went over and I went, well, let's see. And I, I had this whole process I, I did every day in my prayers about forgiveness. I thought, God, I've forgiven everybody I've ever known that I can think of. And he turned to me and he says, well, have you forgiven God? And I went, oh, my goodness, no, I haven't. And then I started trying to figure out, well, what do I have to forgive God for? And that whole incident when I was five years old and then all these other things came forward of where I used to look up to God and go, God, why this? God, why me? God, why them? Why are you doing this? And so I began to do forgiveness with God. And when I did that, things began to clear in my consciousness. Energy began to free up that I had stored up in judgment with God. And I learned something that karma is often just stored up energy, mist expressed energy that is stored up, locked up in a mist expressed way, ever looking for its opportunity to express itself in balance and harmony and fullness. And instead, it's stored up somewhere in our consciousness, frozen unable to express itself in its true state because of how we have placed our action, reaction upon it in our creative way, through judgment, through fear, through anxiety, through separation. So with that, I began to look at my own consciousness and began to see all these different places where I had all this energy frozen, not just in judgment, but in my fear, in my anxiety, in my self-judgment, in my judgment of others. And so I began to go in there and began to look at these things and to do just what I talked about earlier, to laugh, to love it, to love it just as it is. I didn't judge it again. I didn't judge the frozen energy. I didn't judge myself for freezing this expression into its state of being. But rather I loved it just as it, as it was. I accepted it just as it was right then. And then I began to forgive myself for having frozen this energy in such a way. And I asked that consciousness that was frozen to forgive me. And as I did, it began to melt. It began to open. And it began to reveal itself to me to where I could begin to express that same energy in a different way, a way where it would be fulfilled. And in this way, I found that a lot of our creativity is frozen, is stored up, is locked away in either a state of unexpressed or misexpressed creation. And that it is ever looking to be fulfilled. 
and that if we will just be responsible for our actions, our reactions, our thoughts, and our feelings, that we will begin to understand more about this creative loving principle that is the divine essence of our own soul and manifest it more fully. And I found that where I get the most awareness of this and begin to express it more fully is in my meditation. Because it's in my meditation that I can look and see inside. I can go inside and begin to allow myself to understand, to know, to perceive, and to have things be revealed within me. You know, there's a great mystical poet that wrote 500 years ago, and he wrote a poem. Matter of fact, he wrote several. One is, I see without eyes, I hear without ears, I speak without tongue, for I am soul. And another one is, I fly without wings, I walk without feet, I soar to the sky and know God. And the last one is, I know my loving by being in the loving that I am, for I am loving and nothing more. And those three poems have been guides for me for many years. To speak without tongue, to see without eyes, to hear without ears, is talking about that inner sense of the soul, the soul sense. The soul does not rely on the outer form to hear or to see or to speak. The soul hears and sees and speaks in a different way with the spiritual sense, the spiritual sight, the spiritual hearing, the spiritual voice, that still small voice of God that speaks in us and through us when we are living that living, loving essence that we are as divine. So, this practice of meditation for me has been one of connecting back into that essence where I speak without tongue, I see without eyes, I hear without ears. I look and I see the inner light. I listen and I hear the inner sound, the audible life stream. I speak without tongue by speaking the name of God over and over in my meditation, silently inside as I focus in my sharing of loving with God. And it's in that way that the loving brings forth the grace of the Holy Spirit. And it's through the action of that grace that all is brought into neutrality, loving. Loving and neutrality are one and the same when it is of the Spirit. And it is in that neutrality that all comes back into its own original state of being which is loving. And so, by sitting down and closing my eyes and speaking without tongue, chanting the name of God, seeing without eyes, looking inwardly through the spiritual eye, 
that third eye and seeing the inner light and listening without ears and hearing the inner sound, the audible life stream calling me and directing me and lifting me and carrying me back home from which I came, back into the heart of God. I find that I fulfill all that I am to do in the action that I am here to do. In my meditation, if I truly sit down every day, go inside and love God, that is what I'm here to do as soul. Whatever I do the rest of the day is for me to have greater experience of learning about this level of creation, to understand it, and to take responsibility for how I participate in this creation and how I do my creation in this creation. And so I went back a couple of days later, went back into the store, and sat down and I talked with her again. And I asked this lady once again to share with me a little bit more about how she clears karma. Because I realized when I walked out of there, I put a judgment there. I had a judgment that I was carrying as I walked out of there that she had been practicing the meditation and then she ended up going into this outer ritual to clear karma rather than going inside to do that. And I realized that I placed a judgment. And I did not want that judgment there because when I sat down in meditation the next day, guess what was between me and God? This little seed, just this little seed, this little tiny energy between me and God. But guess what I was focusing on? I looked to God and said, God, I love you, I love you. And then I was looking down here and I was looking at this little seed. So I'm going, I love you, I love you, God, but I'm focusing on the seed. I'm not focusing on God. And all of a sudden I've got something between me and God. And I don't want anything between me and God. Even God said, have no other gods before me. Well, this little seed was a God before me. It was something other than the true nature of God that was resting between me and God that was, in a sense, attracting me, distracting me from my practice. So I looked at it, and as I looked at it, the seed began to open. And it, the roots came out, and the leaves came out, and shortly it was a little rose bush. And I'm looking at him going, well, that's pretty. Uh, you know, but what are you doing between me and God? You know, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what this is all about. And then as I was in meditation, all of a sudden I saw and I smelled the essence of the rose coming out of it. And I went, oh, whatever happened at that store yesterday, I've got to go back and clear it. <laughs> and I like it. I like that in my meditation... Things do come forward in a symbolic way, in a, in a very clear demonstration of what to do, of how to be in my life. So I went ahead and I, I forgave whatever this was about because I wasn't real clear as of yet. And I just did what I could to focus on God and focus on the loving, ever aware that this rose bush was getting bigger and the roses were coming out more and more. And I realized that if I wasn't careful, it was going to be a big rose tree between me and God, and I needed to go handle it. So that 
next day or the day two days later actually I went back because Brian had some more interviews and so I had some free time and I walked into the store and she looked at me and she said oh you're back you're back you believe and I go I don't know if I believe she says well maybe you don't believe but you're curious <laughs> I said okay I'm curious let's, let's sit down and I'll talk and I, I'm curious about some things and so we talked and, and I, I got in touch with her joy about all this and and how she was really just joyfully sharing with people the truth that she has found. And, and I realized that I had placed a little judgment on her about this outer ritual, about this outer action that she was doing. Even though I really thought when I left, I thought I was clear. And, and this, her guardian angel came out and I thought, well, I must have done good. I, I didn't lay anything on her or on myself. And, and yet I did. And as I was sitting there, I realized I didn't judge her. I didn't lay anything against her. I laid it against myself. Just as I pushed away my friend with the crystals years ago, I pushed her away as well. I pushed the opportunity to learn more about her and what she was doing by just being there and listening, but not really participating. I didn't get down to a place of being with her in her process. And so as we were sitting there and talking, she said, you know, I've never done this before, but is it all right if I just put the rose essence on you a little bit? And so I said, sure, that's fine, go ahead. So she put it on my wrist and behind my ears, and she said, I'll let you put it on your navel. <laughs> so it was a good opportunity for me to participate in the process. So I took it and I put it on my finger and I put it on my navel. And she said, now, do you feel it? And I had to admit I didn't. <laughs> but I felt her enthusiasm and I felt her joy about it. And so I said, yes, I do feel it. And I wasn't lying. I was feeling her, her, her enthusiasm, her excitement about all this and about me participating in this. And so as we got into it more and more, she started laughing and and sharing about all these things. And she says, you know, to really be honest, I don't know if this works or not. I think it does. And from some of my experience in life, it seems like things have cleared. But then even when I think things have cleared, the next day they're back. So I go and I put more rose oil, oil on. And, and I said, do you think it could be psychosomatic? And do you think it could also be the power of suggestion? that somehow this is all happening, that things are clearing for you because you believe they're going to clear, and maybe you're approaching it from a different way of, of living your life because of how you've read these, these, these books about how to live your life differently and how to practice living in, in the world differently. And she said, well, you know, I've even thought about that, and I've gone back, and, and I realized that a lot of what she says I've read in other books. But yet it, it, it really does work for me. And I said, why does it work for you? She says, because I want it to work for me. But she said it really seriously. I want it to work for me. And so I said, that's the key. If you really want it to work for you, it can work for you. I found that out for myself, and I think you're finding that out for yourself too. It's not about a particular thing. It's about your belief. If you give it power, that power is going to do something. It's going to move something. 
And you've given it power. You've given it power to do something in your life, to bring balance, to bring correction. And so as we were talking, she, she said to me, she said, okay, now, are you teaching this to me? Are you preaching it to me? Are you sharing it with me? Where are you coming from? And I said, I hope I'm sharing it with you. I hope I'm not preaching it to you. And she said, well, I don't feel you're preaching it to me, but I, at the same time, in reaction to you right now. And so we started talking about this whole energy of her reaction. And we got into this whole thing about balance, about action and reaction. And I said, well, when we sat down, we sat down with a clear action, a clear action of sharing. Where do you think we went off that it went into reaction? And she said, well, you didn't see it, did you? And I said, see what? She said, when I put the rose essence on, on you, I expected you to convert. I expected you to, to believe in this. And you didn't seem to really believe in it. You didn't seem to really have what I thought you were going to have with it. And, and I went into reaction with you because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And so I said, so that was the beginning of the reaction. She said, yes, and ever since then I've been reactive with you. I said, so then how do we get back into just action and not be in reaction with each other then? And she said, would you put the rose, rose essence on me? And I said, sure. So I put it on her wrist and I put it behind her ears. And she said, you can put it on my navel. <laughs> and I said, okay, you want me to? So I did. And, and I said, now, how do you feel? And she says, honestly, I don't feel anything. And I said, well, honestly, that's how I felt too. And then we had a whole different discussion. And the discussion was about her grandchildren and the different kinds of teas she likes to drink. I mean, it went into the world. It went into all this other stuff. We, we got into friendship. We got into fellowship. We really connected at a loving place. But before, it was all this other stuff about the outer. It was the mind. It was the psychic. It was the outer structure of spirit. But once we got past it, once we said, nothing's happening, so now what do we do? We started connecting at an inner level, an inner level of sharing, of friendship, of loving, of listening. And for the next hour, we just talked. And we talked and we talked. And I shared with her some things in my life, and she shared with me. And at the end, she gave me a big hug, and she said, Dearie, if you ever come back to the, this country, you come back here. We'll have some more tea. So I left, and I left clear. And then that next morning, the rose bush was gone, the seed was gone, and the pathway between me and God was open. And I realized that for me, the key is to be in friendship, to be in fellowship, to be in communion with another person. It's not about thoughts. It's not about demonstration. It's not about belief systems. It's about loving. And that if I just keep that door open between me and another person and have that opportunity for them to do the same, I'm not going to place judgment. 
against them or myself. I'm not going to place anything between me and God. Me and God in the inner and me and God in the outer. Because you are God as I am God. And I realized that I had placed something between me and God in the world. She, that divine spark that is her soul, is God in creation here. And I had placed something between me and God that also manifested itself in my relationship in the inner, between me and God inside. And so now I know more than ever how important it is to have relationship with God at all levels of creation, inner and outer. And so I'm walking life a little bit differently. And I, I was aware of it the other day. We went to a, a play in London. We went to see the producers. And we enjoyed it, but not to the level that I, I would have liked to. But during the whole play, I was still smiling, and I laughed a, a few times and all. And then we went to see it again just a few days ago, last Friday, here in Austin, just two and a half, three weeks after we saw it in London. And same play, same sets, same lines, same everything. But we're sitting there, and I'm smiling again, just smiling, 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 laughing, lots of laughter. And I realize that I want to live in that loving. I want to live in that smile. I want to live in the laughter all the time. I don't want to live in, in a sense of separation within myself, with God inside, or God outside. And, and I find, I'm finding myself approaching life differently, approaching people differently. And, and I'm very grateful for that. And you all are a part of that reality in my life. Because of the joy that you share with me, the loving that you share with me gives me an opportunity to, to share my joy with you and to share my loving with you. And the one place I found that to first manifest in my life is in my relationship with Brian as he stepped forward as a disciple, to truly be a disciple, to follow this pathway with me and to honor it and to love it and to appreciate it. And... He's brought a joy into to this process and, and helped me to step forward, not just in discipleship, teachership with him, but with others as well. And he's also helped me to discover and to understand and to manifest that, that sense of laughter and joy more regularly than I ever have in the past. So that's my story of my trip to England. <laughs> And the, and the, the store, uh, the name was the, the Mystical Feminine. It was a neat little store, but I could never tell you how to get there. <laughs> it was in a little side alley off of a main street going to Covent Gardens, and I know not the name of the street. Maybe I can find out sometime if you go there. So that's my story tonight. That's the, the essence of it. Do you have something to share with it all? You didn't even know that because I hadn't shared that with you. It's so funny because sometimes spirit will just say, not yet, not yet. And, and I never know if I'm going to share something with, with Brian or with other people at all in my life. Sometimes they're just sacred or secret. 
And so I keep them that way. And tonight, this teacher came in who had written the, the poetry, and uh, and it was there. And the, the one who came in was Kabir, who was a mystic in India about 500 years ago, and who wrote those poems. So I guess that's it for tonight. If Is there anything you would like to ask or anything you'd like to share before we bring it to a close since it's early? Any questions? Anything you want to share? About anything. It doesn't have to be about tonight. <laughs> we are too. We are very glad. It was fun. We, we enjoyed the trip. We had a lot of fun. But being in cold, wet climate, for four weeks, we had one sunny day, the whole trip. Uh, nothing above 61 degrees uh, for four weeks. So that's uh, so why I was saying it was like fall. <laughs> but it was beautiful. London's beautiful. Uh, the parks are wonderful. We spent a lot of time in the parks feeding ducks and geese and squirrels and rabbits and and uh, just having a lot of fun. So that's our, that's our. Our tour of London is the parks. We, we do that rather than go to the major museums and sites. But we're glad to be back, too. There's no place like home. Now, if I just said my ruby red shirt, <laughs> we'd be in Kansas. <laughs> all right, if there's anything else, we'll just call it an evening and uh, see you all next Tuesday. Thank you.